So, Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you have already done in this place. Lord, we thank you that you alone are God. Let every other man be a liar. God, we thank you that you are king over all the earth. And as we, your people, God, you have called us into your kingdom, not of darkness, but of light. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would invade this place this morning, that you would allow your word to separate soul and spirit. You would pierce our hearts, God, that it wouldn't be a word that tickles us, God. It wouldn't be a word that just motivates us, but Lord, that you would sow seeds in this place this morning that would bear fruit every day of this week, every day of our lives, God, that you would speak to us resounding and clear in this house, God. Open our eyes to see you, Jesus, in fresh measure. That's the cry of our hearts, God, to know you, to know you, Jesus, and be know, to be known by you. Lord, would you open up our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us as individuals and as a corporate body? And would you open up our hearts to receive fresh revelation by your spirit in this house? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if you're in agreement with that, shout amen. 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 Well, glory to God. I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. It's always fun when there's a week or a week or two in between when you have someone else speaking. It kind of, it's like stuff gets boiled up inside and you're ready to pop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of you understand what I'm saying. But in any case, uh, I really believe that the Lord has stirred me with a word and uh, I pray that the grace of God just simply flows in this place this morning because if he doesn't anoint it, we shouldn't even be here. Uh, we're better off doing something else. But if God is who he says he is, and I believe he is, I believe you believe he is, he doesn't allow his word to return void. So this morning, we're returning to some of our um, our core values as Fire Church. How many of you have enjoyed some of the teaching and the, the, the messages concerning who we are as Fire really who we are as the people of God. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's not really solely for us, but we're going to be reminded of who we are because let's, let's be honest, we need to be reminded a lot. I know I do. <laughs> I need the sticky notes. I need the phone reminders. I need the, the, the pushes from people. I need the phone calls. I need it all. <laughs> we need to be reminded. So uh, there's several core values that we have, but I'm excited about this one uh, that we're diving into this morning, kingdom-focused kingdom-focused. We are a kingdom-focused people. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, guys in the back, putting on that, that one slide that defines what I mean by this. We are kingdom-focused. We value commitment to advancing the kingdom of God and loyalty to Jesus, our king. Come on. Our king above all other allegiances. To make that a little bit more in-depth, we gladly serve in the kingdom of God and work to establish Christ's rightful reign in all the earth. God has given his church, big C, authority in Jesus to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out devils, and bring freedom and salvation to all mankind. Hallelujah. There is no power that can prevail against the bride of Christ. We do not construct our own kingdom, but pursue unity with the local and global body of Christ in order to ensure Christ receives the reward of his suffering. Now, I'm sure there's a lot more that we could add to that, but that's a little taste 
of what we mean by saying that we are kingdom focused. That means we're not of this world. That means we're, we're, we're in this world, but not of it. That we are partakers of a new divine nature. And just simply by basic definition, if we're talking about a kingdom, what does there need to be? Okay, most of you got it. A king. If we are in a kingdom, there needs to be a king. If there's no king, there's no such thing as a kingdom. It's just a group of people or a land or a, a party, whatever. I found it quite interesting. I actually looked up kingdom in Merriam-Webster, and uh, it would actually do you probably some good. I'll read it to you, but if you look it up, I love that it actually has the definition that it has. Okay, first, the one that you would expect from a, a, a secular organization, a politically organized community or major territorial unit having a monarchical form of government headed by a king or queen. That makes sense, right? Listen to this second definition in Merriam-Webster. Often capitalized, A, the eternal kingship of God. This is Merriam-Webster. Come on. Somebody knows something. B, the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. I'll put the mic down right now. Somebody, better, somebody really better recognize what the kingdom is. There is no man that can deny the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. He is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. Where his will is established, that is the kingdom. If we are not seeing his will established, we're not in the kingdom. We're not operating in that perfection that God has for us. We're missing something. We're missing out. There's so many different things in this world right now, distractions, all kinds of things vying for our attention. And we have that, that term FOMO, you know, fear of missing out and all this kind of stuff. I'm telling you, you don't need to fear anything in this world or missing out on anything of this world. You need to fear God, keep his commandments and expect to be in the kingdom. If we're not seeing and experiencing the kingdom, we are not doing our job. Are you hearing me? We are in partnership. If you are in the kingdom of God, that means you are not only a son and a daughter of God. That means you're not only a king and a, or a prince and a you know, princess yourself, a king and a priest. There's different terminology used throughout scripture that you are given authority with Christ because we come into him. But you're also soldiers in that kingdom. Do you believe that you're a soldier this morning? Okay, a few of you said yes. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to be a soldier this morning. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> no, we're soldiers in the kingdom of God. We have weapons of warfare. And for some reason, we think that we don't have to be in the battle, that we should just allow what happens to us to happen to us. That we could just simply let what will be, will be. But no, we are in the kingdom of God. Therefore, anything contrary to the kingdom of God has to change. Has to come into submission to the kingdom of God. When somebody's sick, that is not in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has to come into that situation. And healing has to come through the blood of Jesus that was purchased on that cross 2,000 years ago. If we are experiencing anxiety and depression and worry, that is not part of the kingdom of God. We need to come into the kingdom of God where there is righteousness, there is joy, there is peace in the Holy Ghost. There's power in the kingdom of God. If it's contrary to the kingdom, we need to shift. 
a lot of the kingdom deals with just right here, right here, getting that, 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 that mountain in between our two ears to be able to be brought low so that the kingdom can be established. Kingdom of God. I love that. The eternal kingship of God, the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. Let's come into that. Matthew 6, 33. Many of you can quote it. Quote it well. But seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. What things? Everything else in life. All the things that you worry about. All the things that are important. You do need shelter. You do need to provide for yourself. You do need to eat in order to survive. You do need to be protected. You do need to have a purpose for your life. All these things will be added onto you. That mate that you're looking for, that spouse, that, that perfect whatever. All these things will be added onto you as we seek first his kingdom. Matthew 16, 17 through 19, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He calls us into a kingdom, but he doesn't just call us there. He gives us the keys to operate within that kingdom. He gives us the revelation to understand how we are to live, how we are to walk, how we are to respond, how we are to go not on defense all the time, but also on offense. Amen. We'll get into that a little bit more in a moment. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today, so get your, your fingers ready. If you're turning pages, get your, your notebooks ready, because you're going to need to go back over this later and allow this to really burn inside of your heart. Acts 17, 5 through 7, just an example of what happens when the kingdom is expressed in the earth. But the Jews, verse 5 of Acts chapter 17, but the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, whoever they could grab, basically, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Who are these people? These kingdom people, these, these apostles, these disciples of Christ, all the believers. It's not just the 12. It's, it's those that were encountering God and came into this revelation that there is authority and power at the name of Jesus. That there's not just salvation, but there is a whole new life, a whole new divine nature to come into and what happens when that's expressed? The entire world is turned upside down. These people that are turning the world upside down, they've come here too. And we don't like it because I like my world. That's what the world says. That's what the world inside of the church says. That's what religion in the church says. Come on. I'm tired of seeing religion get those that were set free, make, making them become bound. Are you understanding what I'm saying? We didn't get saved to, to become more theological, to become more, more traditional, even though I love theology and some tradition is good, we got saved because the Lord wanted to bring us into freedom. 
Freedom. It was for freedom that I set you free. Who's free in this house this morning? That's all of you. All those that call in the name of the Lord, there is freedom for you. If you're not walking in freedom, you cry out to God right now. As a son, as a daughter of God, you don't need to turn over to Jesus and, and say the sinner's prayer again this morning. Some of you may need to repent. I'm not saying don't. There's a turning of the mind that needs to happen. Sometimes we do need to lay things down. But I'm saying as a son, as a daughter of the kingdom, all we have to do is say, God, I looked off. I looked to the side for a moment, but I'm coming back to center. And I'm walking in the freedom today that you have provided. Not a false freedom. This isn't hypnosis. This isn't goodwill being spoken so that maybe one day I will walk in freedom. In the sweet by and by, I will walk in freedom. No, today you are free. Today you are free. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. I'm speaking to myself this morning. I am free. I am free. Those of you dealing with temptation this morning, I'm telling you, you are free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's a reason why you need to walk in freedom. Because when the kingdom of God is expressed in the earth, what keeps you walking in that authority is being able to walk in the holiness that God brings you into as a divine son and daughter. I'm not, again, trying to bring you into religion or a list of rules. God bless you. I'm wanting to, you to come into the power that grace provides to enable you to walk through every trial to walk through every temptation and conquer and win, not expecting to fall every single day, not expecting to lose. It's okay. You know what? I'm just in this fight. I'm not going to make it okay. You know, it, 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 hear me. I'm not condemning anyone. I understand we deal with the flesh. I'm simply bringing you back to kingdom focus, kingdom mindedness that says whom the son sets free is free indeed, that you can walk as Christ walked. Come on, somebody. You didn't get that. To walk as Christ walked. We'll, we'll, we'll have to go into that deeper. I, I sense it. What is the kingdom like? Somebody shouted out, what's the kingdom like? What's the kingdom like? What's the answer to that question? <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Jesus said it was many things. He said it was like a treasure in a field, right? who one man, when he realizes what's there, he sells all he has and goes and buys that field. Why? Because there's treasure in that field. The kingdom of God is treasure, friends. The kingdom of God is saying that, that, that every single sickness, every single spirit of infirmity, when there's a miracle that needs to take place, when Gary is in the hospital this morning with COVID and needing a touch in his body, we say, kingdom of darkness, you cannot dwell in his body breath of God needs to come to your lungs because the kingdom of heaven resides in that man, in that flesh. We don't see Gary this morning. We see Christ. And we say, Christ, come alive in Gary. We say, spirit of infirmity, get out and be loosed in the name of Jesus. When Malachi has a seizure today, who had a seizure this morning, Malachi Alt, we say, Malachi, you do not come under the influence of infirmity this morning. We say you come under the influence of Christ. Your mind is set free. Your body is set free. By the blood of Jesus, you come into the kingdom right now in the name of Jesus. We're talking about the authority of believers. 
Are you sensing this? I'm telling you, that I'm feeling this rise in this place this morning. God's up to something. Somebody's going to run. First <laughs> Timothy 1.17. Not in the flesh, I'm telling you. <laughs> now the king eternal. This is who we've been singing about this morning. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul understood something. He mentioned these words because he was walking in the kingdom of God. He said it to the king who, who alone is wise, speaking to the very city that was the wisest in all the earth of its day. To the king who is immortal, cannot be touched, cannot be killed, cannot be conquered. To him alone be the glory, the honor forever and ever. 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. I told you, we're going to get through some scripture today. Do not love the world or the things in the world. I'm pausing intentionally there. Let the Holy Spirit have his work this morning. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Amen or oh me this morning. God, I want your love in me. I'm going to continue reading, but I got to stop there. I, I want the love of the Father inside of me. He's saying if I love this world more than anything else, if I love the world more than him, his love is not actually in me. Then what am I doing? What have I said? What, am I really a Christian if I don't have the love of God inside of me? You need to wrestle with some things this morning. Christianity, you don't come into salvation by works, but man, there's a wrestling that you have to do with your flesh. Once you get into this thing, the process of sanctification happens by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that allows you to come into the love of God. The love of God that compels us to walk in love towards our neighbor, that compels us to, to love even when it hurts, to love him more than anything, that we don't love this world. The world seeks and searches for a crown that's perishable. But we go for a, a crown that is imperishable. What does it say? For all that is in the world, verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Are you doing the will of God this morning? Are you walking in his will this morning? We abide forever when we do the will of God. It's not hard, friends. It's not 10 years down the road after you go through seminary, after you go through ministry school, after you've been on the mission field for years and years and years. I'm telling you all this stuff, God does something inside of us. I'm saying he uses all these things. But I'm saying right now, what is the will of God? Love your neighbor. <laughs> what, is, what is the love of God? Come into this kingdom mindset that I'm not in the darkness, that Satan has no, no power over me. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you know what Satan, Satan's like? He's like a dog that can smell fear. 
You ever see a dog that, you know, one of those, those starved dogs, one of those, you know, uh, junkyard dogs that's trained, got the spike collar, ready to take, take you out, you know what I'm saying? That's what the enemy is like. He smells fear. But we know what God says about fear. He says his perfect love casts out all fear. In him, there is no fear. There's only power, love, and a sound mind. But the enemy knows when the church, when the children of God come into a place of fear, he's got them. And he will pounce every time he senses that fear. I'm telling you this morning, don't succumb to fear. Fear is a mental attitude. Fear is a spirit, yes. And we can reject that spirit and cast that spirit out. But once, it, once you make agreement with that spirit, then it becomes an ideology and it becomes a mindset. It became, becomes a framework. If there is any fear inside of you this morning, I'm telling you it needs to get kicked out. Release it. Release it. Renounce agreement with it. Even right now in this moment. Don't wait till later. Don't wait till the altar call. Don't say, I'll, I'll deal with this at night during, when, I, when I pray before bed. No, this, this morning, say, fear, right now, fear, get out in the name of Jesus. I renounce agreement with you. And I put on the spirit of Christ. I put on Love, power, and a sound mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This world is passing away in the lust of it. As intense as those feelings can be, as intense as those real desires can be inside of us, all of that is passing away. This world is passing away. But the kingdom of God those that dwell with him and do his will, they abide forever. There's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There's those this morning that there, there, there's three different camps that I want to draw attention to just real quick. There's the believer in the, the unbeliever in the world, which doesn't know better. The unbeliever that is in darkness, that is lost in need of a savior. I'm believing by the spirit that that is not us this morning. And if you have never turned into the dark, the king, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, I'm telling you, we are here for you today. Because we do not want one soul, not one heart, not one person to be under the bondage of slavery, under this, this, this slavery of sin, under the, the place of where we've been set free. I don't want to go back to my old life, friends. I, know about you. I don't know about you, but you know, it wasn't that fun. It wasn't that good. It served me for a little while, but it did not last. But some, for some reason, the enemy's so good at trying to remind us that it was better, that the grass was greener. Wasn't it better when we got drunk? When, wasn't it better when we were under the influence of some type of ecstasy or some type of drug or some type of release or uh, you know, some type of escapism to deal with our pain and our struggles in a different way? No. Did it last? No, it only became, allowed us to become more in bondage. It allowed us to fall into places where those that we love most, we turned against them and caused hurt and pain and, and tears and anguish. Sin is a slave driver. We come into freedom and we want to spread that freedom to all we interact with. There's the unbeliever and then there's the believer. That should be us this morning. 
The believers that say, yes, I believe in you. King Jesus, I believe in you. Do we really believe in him this morning? There's something about believing that really makes the kingdom take root in our lives. If we don't believe, we don't have the kingdom. If we don't really believe in who Jesus is, we don't believe that we're anything. If we look at Jesus as less than he is, we'll never operate in that kingdom authority. The enemy will continue to wreak havoc in our lives. He'll wreak havoc in our kids' lives. He'll wreak havoc in all of our relationships, on our jobs, in our workplaces, and in, in every situation. The enemy is not dumb. He doesn't have the authority unless we give it to him. Unless you believe the way that you are supposed to, you automatically give him that place of authority. He takes what you give him. He will be the one that will take it first. He's been around a while. Hallelujah. There's the unbeliever. There's the believer that truly believes that they are set free. And then there's the deceived. The third camp, the deceived. All dwelling within this kingdom warfare this morning. You have the unbeliever that doesn't know better, the believer that knows better, and you have the deceived that doesn't know that they're deceived. Those that are in the church listening to a lie and believing a lie. You go from a believer in the truth to a believer in the lie. Deceived. That makes you think that you can have part of the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, part of the kingdom of this world, and also have the kingdom of God too. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm not saying God doesn't bless you. Don't hear me. He doesn't call you to live enslaved in, in to him in a, a weird, warped way. He brings you into freedom. He brings forth blessing. He brings forth true joy, joy that lasts, not just happiness. He brings us into a place of true freedom. But there's those that are deceived that don't recognize what the gospel does, what Jesus' blood has provided, what the grace of God empowers us to do. We've settled and allowed grace to become something that just simply saves us. How many of you understand grace is, as just simply unmerited favor? That is one definition. That is a good definition of what grace is. But hear me this morning. I don't want to hear another one of you say, and I'm not condemning you, but I'm saying get the right mindset this morning. Don't just say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Just a sinner saved by grace. You're a lot more than that this morning. Yes, grace, you come into salvation by the grace of God. But the grace of God empowers you to live a holy life. The grace of God allows you to come into the kingdom. The grace of God empowers you to walk and perform his will in the earth. The grace of God allows you to perform miracles, to cast out the devils, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The grace of God allows you to come into freedom when temptation comes, to come into freedom when the lies of the enemy bombard you, when the, 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 the enemy wants to distract you and keep you off of your, your purpose in your household. The grace of God empowers you to walk in that place of alignment with the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul says, Now that, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Let me read that again. 
that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus so laid hold of me. I believe that power of grace is one of those things, one of those elements of what, what Christ has laid hold of us for, that that grace can continue to allow his spirit to operate in the earth, that we would do the works of Jesus and even greater. You will do what I do, but even greater, he said. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, underline that in your Bible, forgetting that which is behind, underline those two words, and reaching forward, underline that, whatever phrase it is, pressing in, going forth, reaching forward, leaning into those things which are ahead. We don't live in the future, but we press into the future because that is our destiny. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the nature of the kingdom. We are pressing towards the goal. We have, we have a prize set before us. Hallelujah. Let me also read this to you. Hebrews 12, 12 through 17, real quick. Some things you may want to underline in there. Hebrews chapter 12, 12 through 17. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Let me speak to your heart this morning. Let me speak to your spirit this morning. That that which is dislocated may not be dislocated, but rather healed. That which is lame, that it would be strengthened. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Pursue peace. Underline that. With all people. And holiness. Underline that. Without which no one will see the Lord. Do you want to see the Lord this morning? Do you want to see the Lord this morning? Pursue peace and holiness. I'm not saying let's become the church of holiness this morning. I'm not saying let's dress a certain way. I'm not saying, hey, let's say this amount, these types of prayers this amount of time. I'm saying pursue God. Pursue him. Pursue peace with one another. And allow holiness to come through you, not be demonstrated as you just simply try to do it. Holiness without which... Will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. That tells me that you can fall short of the grace of God. That tells me that there's many deceived in the church today that are not walking in the grace of God. Because if you walk short of the grace of God, you don't walk in holiness. You don't walk in peace. You don't walk strengthened. You don't walk healed. You don't walk whole. You walk dislocated, infirmed, troubled. Are you hearing me this morning? Constantly struggling with sin. When you walk short of the grace of God, that's what is a part of your life. But when you walk with the grace of God, which is the, the fuel, the mechanism, the, the lifeblood of the kingdom, the grace of God allows us to operate in that power. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. For by this, many become defiled. If you have bitterness in your heart, you need the grace of God this morning. You're not going to become, you're not going to walk out of bitterness unless the grace of God empowers you. I'm talking about true bitterness. I'm not talking about, you know what, they just, they just said they didn't like my hair this morning. It's easy to get over that sometimes. I know you guys keep telling me, 
I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's easy to get over some things, you understand. Some things, it just doesn't affect you. I'm talking about the stuff that really has hurt you, that I think this is for some of you here. It didn't affect you any, any way the first time. But 10 weeks later, two years later, all of a sudden, that seed that was sown, you didn't deal with it then because you thought it was a nothing. You didn't renounce it at that moment. All of a sudden, two years later, it's become, it's become a bush. It's become a tree. It's become a sapling. Maybe 10 years later, all of a sudden, you got an oak tree of bitterness in your heart, and everything you do is coming from that perspective. You think everybody thinks of you the same way. I'm saying get out of bitterness. Allow the grace of God to operate in you. Renew that foundation inside of your heart and inside of your mind. Forgive 70 times 7. Allow that freedom to come into your life and into your heart. Don't fall short of the grace of God and allow a root of bitterness to come in. It says, by this many become defiled. What does that tell us? That many fall into this. Many fall into bitterness. It's easy to fall into. It doesn't mean that you're you're less of a person because you fell into that. No, it just means we need the grace of God. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person. Fornicator or profane person seeking for those things that appetize the flesh. Outside of the commands and the will of God that allows there to be sweetness and holiness and perfection and life and multiplication of life. Covenant. That signifies his relationship with us. Like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. I'm saying there's freedom today. Right now, today, you come into that place where you apply the grace of God to your life. You apply the, apply the blood of Jesus and the word of his spirit to come in and wash you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's, this is the gospel, friends. It's so amazing. We don't deserve this grace. It is unmerited favor, but it's a lot more than that. It's the empowering work of God in our lives. This leads me to the, the, the sense I've been waking up every single morning. The Holy Spirit's been waking me up. And I'm telling you, I'm stirred. You probably can sense it a little bit. I'm fired up this morning because the Spirit's been waking me up every morning at 4 a.m. And, and I can't help but think that he wants us to get this understanding. We prayed into it on Thursday night with the leaders on that Zoom call. Dr. Peters hit it on the head that he wants us to receive his authority, to get a fresh understanding and revelation of the authority that we have. And every morning, this is the theme that the Lord has been waking me up with. I am sick and tired of seeing people be sick and tired. As a pastor, I'm, I'm one that I am feeling led to continue to pray and intercede for you so that you can receive the breakthrough in your life. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for those in my family until I get that release. Sometimes you got to pray until something happens. You remember push. You remember praying through, right? You understand what I'm saying? Some of you that have been in the church a while, you understand this is part of the kingdom. Part of the kingdom is interceding. And part of the kingdom is praying and waiting and seeking and asking and knocking until you get which, that which has already been purchased. The kingdom life is all about walking out which has already been established through Christ. But it doesn't just come by happenstance. It comes by us doing something. 
It comes by us coming into understanding of something. I'm telling us as a church, we need to be those that intercede one for another. I'm tired of seeing people get sick and stay sick. I'm tired of seeing people get tired and stay tired and lead to depression and anxiety and, and, and lead to pills and all these different things. I'm not saying that there aren't people that help in these fields. I believe in wholeness. I believe in all kinds of things that God does to bring people into a place of freedom. But can I tell you, Jesus walked on the scene and the, demon, the demons trembled. They came out of those men. They came out of those women. And when we walk in the authority of Christ, there is no power, there is no influence, there is no force that can remain. So when we come together in this sanctuary, we don't have to simply cry out and say, Lord, I thank you. Your promises are yes and amen, even though it's good to declare that. But just simply to declare it and stay there, that's not what this is about. When we declare his promises are yes and amen, that means I walk out of this place no longer in shame. I walk out of this place no longer with any shackle on my feet, needing 10 more years of, of counseling and therapy to get out of this. Are you hearing me? I'm saying when the kingdom of God invades a place, the world is turned upside down. That means that which the world is inside of a believer that's deceived, it's turned upside down, and now they can see, oh, I am not this way. I am not defeated. I am not in lack. I am not on the bottom of the food chain on my job. I am the one that can walk in abundance. I can come up with the best ideas. I can have the best sales if I'm a salesman. I can have influence in the school, even though they tell me I can't mention the name of Jesus. But all of a sudden, when they see the power of the kingdom working inside of me, everybody wants it. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about the kingdom, the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. We need to be a people that's relentless. And we need to get back our fight as believers this morning. Get back your fight. Get back your fight. The bride of Christ, yes, she's supposed to be beautiful. But I'm telling you, she's got a sword at her hip. I'm telling you, she still walks in the armor of God. And that's what Jesus sees as beautiful. She walks with the helmet of salvation. She walks with the breastplate of righteousness. She walks girded with the, breast, the, the belt of truth and her feet shot with, shod with the gospel of peace. I'm telling you, you are beautiful, but you are a warrior. Get back your fight this morning. Get back your fight. Don't take what's been given to you unless it comes from the Lord's table. We need to be relentless with an attitude, a posture that is persistent, unyielding. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's how the kingdom of darkness advances, by the church simply giving up. That's the only way. Let me put it that way. The only way the kingdom of darkness advances is by the kingdom of light, the children of God giving up. Don't give up. God's promised you something, don't give up. Don't give up. I don't know why I feel like I have to keep saying this. Maybe I need to say it to every person individually in this place this morning. Don't give up. 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 Press in. Press in. Be adamant. Be uncompromising. This is the nature of the kingdom. Continually pursue it and fight to win. 
There's one virtue that Paul points out. I read later on in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Let's read what that says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Every, every weight means every weight. All the baggage, everything, all the sin, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is a king of this kingdom, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What did he say? What was the one virtue required to walk this out? Run with endurance. Endurance. Persistence. Do not quit. Do not quit. Let me read this to you. I shared this with my staff earlier this week. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27. Listen to the word win. And if you have it in your Bible, underline it here. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Paul speaking, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, not being with, without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I, might, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? <laughs> they don't walk. They don't go backwards. <laughs> They're in the race. They run the race. But nonetheless, only one receives the prize. One receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Your Bible might even say, run in such a way that you win. That you win. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but for we, for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Not with uncertainty this morning. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. We are in this fight, we are in this battle, we are in this race to win. Every single one of you, I know it doesn't make sense numerically, how can we all win? <laughs> you know how that works? We are in Christ we are the body of Christ. He is the head. We're connected to that body. We are one body running for one prize in one kingdom. We all win the race either together or we're outside of that body and we don't win. We are running this race to win. He is seated in heavenly places. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean? We are seated with him. We are seated with him in that same place. couple illustrations and we might have to do a part two hallelujah I was uh, 
coaching my son. Um, I was the assistant coach this year because just too much to do to be the head coach. You know, you can't be at everything. can't do everything, right? But in any case, I always enjoy baseball, and I enjoy seeing him, seeing him play, put his heart out on the field and all that kind of stuff. I love watching kids grow in their abilities, gain confidence. Sometimes it takes a lot longer with some than others. You know, you can see the ones that receive, receive it a little bit harder at home. You know, you see it all. You know, kids are honest most of the time. Uh, but in any case, you know, he had, a, he had an okay team. You know, they had a rough season. They, they had their ups and their downs. They went through a pretty good slump of losing a lot of games in a row. And, you know, when you lose a lot, it's hard to come back. It's hard to motivate your team when they just have the expectation, well, it's just going to happen like it happened last time. We might go up in the game, but they're just going to come back and they're going to conquer us. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm talking not just about Caden's baseball team. I'm talking about us as individuals in our own life. You feel like, yeah, it's just going to happen again. Might as well not continue. Might as, not, might as well not fight to win. I enjoy having the jersey, saying that I'm a Christian. I enjoy wearing the hat. I enjoy having the equipment. But you know what? I don't have to win. I, I, as long as I enjoy playing the game. Can I tell you, I'm sick and tired of that. <laughs> yes, it's, in, it's important to enjoy each other. It's important to not be prideful on a team and, and be haughty in what you do. But why do you, why do you compete? Let's be honest. We compete to win. You play to win. If you didn't play to win, it, it wouldn't be fun. It really wouldn't. And so we were motivating this team. They went into their last tournament of the, of the summer, and we're like, come on, guys. Let's come out of this tournament with a win. We motivated them before they, they got onto that field, that first game of the tournament. And you know what? They went out there. They came out there ready. They went against a team that, that expected, based on our record, that they were going to easily conquer us. But you know what happened? They went out there to fight. They went out there to play. We flipped the coin, and that's the way the tournaments work. You don't know who's, who's home or away, so who, who gets up first or who bats last. We flipped the coin. Okay, we're visitor. That means we're up first. They're, they have a chance to come back. What does that mean? We are on offense. We have to crush him right now in this first inning. Make him feel so bad in this first inning. Get down so far that they don't want to come back. They can't come back. And what did we do? That's what we did. We came out, guns blazing, running around those bases, and we scored those runs, and they never came back. We won that first game. And it felt good. It felt real good, especially after losing for so many, so many games. That next game, we came around. They were excited. They were pumped. Let's keep this going. That second game, they did terrible. <laughs> they got skunked 18 to nothing. It was painful to watch. That's not a baseball score. That's, a, that's like a football score. It was painful. We could have quit. We could have stopped right there and said, that's the end to the summer. You know, it's, it's just the way that it was prior to winning that one game. It was a fluke. No, but you know what? We came back. We came back with heart, and we fought those next several games. And you know what? They went to the championship. They went to the championship. They played that same team that, that skunked them 18 to nothing, and they competed. They did well. They didn't win that championship. They got second. You know, it's not the rosy story or whatever. But that's not the point of what I'm saying. I'm saying we fight, and you compete to win. 
You compete to win. To me, it was a win for them because they conquered a lot. They could have said, we're facing the same team. We might as well not play in this championship. No, they, they, they fought. They, they did their best. I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, it's a lot different. We know that we win. We know that we win. And we fight to win, to work out that which has been imparted to us. We don't fight just simply to get through it. We don't fight just to simply say, you know what, let's just play the game. No, you fight to win relentlessly, relentlessly. The kingdom requires those that win. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Not as one who beats the air, but one who disciplines their bodies, bringing it into subjection. Those that fight to win, those that reign in life. You know how this comes? I'm going to leave you with a couple of thoughts because we'll have to continue this another time. Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Let me say that again. If you can believe, all things all things are possible to him who believes. That means you can win. If you believe, you can win. Not just because you believe it, but because you believe in the one who has already won. If you believe in Jesus, all things are possible to him who believes. That's the true understanding of this statement. It's not just, I believe that I can jump over a mountain with one single bound like Superman. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's just foolish, wishful thinking. But when God says that I am the head and not the tail, that I'm a leader and not a follower, that I'm not at the end, bottom of the rung, but I am the one that is providing leadership to the world, bringing the kingdom in the earth, that means I believe in that because he said it. God loves it when we believe in him and in such a way that we repeat back to him the things that he said. The makeup of the kingdom, the way you walk out the will of God, the way you walk out the kingdom is by knowing the word of God, declaring that word of God and walking out what it says to do. The word of God is so critically important. You walk in the kingdom by knowing what the kingdom is. By believing God at his word. He will never look at you and shut you up for declaring his word. Even if you say it a little bit out of context. Hear me religious people. <laughs> He'll bring you back through his grace into understanding. You got to learn somehow. Your toddler learns that the stove is hot by touching the stove sometimes. Sometimes that happens. But nonetheless, God is victorious and he believes he believes. If he believed, we also ought to believe. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. How many of you want that abundance of grace we're talking about? And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Christ. We reign in life by being recipients of the abundant grace of God. How? By being connected through the one, 
who conquered it all, Jesus Christ. One last illustration. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come and to help me. I need somebody to just come up here real quick, just to help me as an illustration. Anybody, real quick. Come on, Evan. Edwin is a man. Aren't I observant? He's an awesome man of God. <laughs> but he has a head, correct? He has arms, he has feet, he has normal anatomy. He's a man. Christ is what of the church? The head of the church. If I take this and you can't see his head, what do I call his body? Headless, yeah. But anyway, is his can I call his body Josh? Can I call his body by some other name? It's still Edwin, correct? Even though you can't see his head? He's still connected. He's still Edwin. That means as we are in Christ, we are connected to the head. That even if you don't see him physically, when you look at this body, you still see Edwin. You still see Jesus. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You can go sit down. I think you understand that we are so connected to him. When we come into Christ, we are in him. That's how we come into this abundant grace. That's how we walk out this kingdom life. By knowing we are connected to the head. Many parts, all part of this same, same body. It's a beautiful thing. We reign in life because our head reigns in life. We are seated in heavenly places because he's seated in heavenly places. We are part of his body. Bottom line, we are kings in this life. And if I say kings, I mean queens as well. That we are called to reign in life. Not, not being dominated or influenced by life, but dominating and influencing the life around us. That's who we are as kingdom people. We are kingdom focused. We're going to have to go deeper into this over, over a few weeks, it looks like. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in what? Power, demonstration of power. Would you stand with me this morning? I told you several times, don't quit. Don't quit. Continue to press in and to pursue and to walk in the place of grace that God has given us authority. We've done this on a number of occasions, but sometimes you just got to be connected to the body. I'm going to call the prayer team in a moment, but before we do that, before we give opportunity for any of you to receive prayer for a need that you have in your life, to receive agreement in prayer that something that's outside of the kingdom comes into the kingdom and manifests itself in the way that it should be, whether it be thinking, whether it be an ailment, whether it be some type of situation you need agreement for, I want you to grab and link arms with those around you this morning that we are the body connected to the head. The kingdom of God comes as the body of Christ comes together and unifies. Unifies when there's harmony in the spirit, when there's love and peace in the household of God. When we are connected, that's how we win. If I dislocated my hip, I wouldn't be doing well to win the Olympic race. 
When you watch the Olympics this week, you remember they're not going just to compete in the Olympics. They're going for that gold. The one that's the underdog, they're going for that gold. And if that one that's expected to win comes out cocky and haughty and all that kind of stuff, guess what? They might not make it to that podium. They might trip. They might fall. But I'm telling you, let's not be disjointed. Let's not be dislocated this morning. Let's pray for the one on our right and our left. And let's declare as the family of God, don't quit. I'm not quitting. I'm fighting in this war. I'm fighting in this battle. Those of you that need miracles in your life, I want you to declare right now. Begin to pray in the spirit. Those of you that have been filled with the Holy Spirit and have a voice of tongues, I want you to pray right now. If you don't have tongues, I want you to pray in the spirit in that way that you pray in agreement with what the word of God says with what the word of God says for those that are on your right and your left that they are victorious that they are conquering sin that they are conquering over the the distraught and and over the, the forces of the enemy and the lies and the deceit of the enemy they are not deceived but they are believers in the kingdom they walk as those that trample on serpents they walk as those that are casting out devils we cast out devils in this house this morning We say no oppression in the name of Jesus. No lies of the enemy can remain in this house. No sickness can remain in this house. We declare the kingdom in this house, the glory of Christ operating through his bride, reigning in life, reigning in the earth, reigning on their jobs, reigning in their families, reigning in our finances, bringing victory after victory after victory. We win, we win, and all we do is win for the glory of Jesus Christ, that imperishable crown. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just take that moment as we worship. The worship team will lead us in worship. I want you to continue praying for those on your right and your left. And in a moment, we'll break and allow people to come up to the front if you need prayer.